A couple weeks ago, a young guy here named John Frizzell, he's a young dad. He's got a couple kids, he and his wife, Caitlin. And they're walking out of worship, and he's got his Bible and his journal as he's walking out. And he's got a kid in one arm, Bible and journal in the other arm. So they get to the car, he unlocks it, and he sets the Bible and journal on top of the car. You know where this is going. And, uh, and then he buckles up a kid in the back seat, closes the door, gets in the car, and drives home. And he gets home, and he realizes he does not have his Bible and journal. So he panics, okay? And he looks on the top of the car, and you're not going to believe this. It's gone. It's not on the top of the car, okay? And it did not make it home. And so, oh, he's just devastated. He's had this Bible since he was a senior in high school in HYG. HYG gave him this Bible. He took this Bible with him to college. He told me every trip he went on in college, he had this Bible. He had this Bible when he got married, had kids. It's got underlines, sticky notes. He loves this Bible, and he's heartbroken. The journal he cares about too, but he's not as worried about that as the Bible. So Caitlin goes in to put the kids down for a nap. He jumps back in the car and heads back towards church to retrace his steps on the drive. And he's looking everywhere as he goes for a Bible and a journal, and he's just not seeing them. He pulls up here in the parking lot, back up here in the parking lot, and there in the parking lot is his journal, just the journal. And somebody's driven over it in the parking lot. But uh, he picks it up, and he's thankful for that, but he's just heartbroken. He thinks he's never going to see this Bible again. About the time he gets to the church, um, Caitlin gets a knock on the door. Okay, she's putting the kids down for a nap. Somebody's knocking on her door. People don't knock on the door anymore. And she goes to the door, and it's a sheriff's deputy at the door. Okay, that is not the person you want to see at the door nine times out of ten. Okay, and uh, she opens the door, and she's like, yes. And he says, hey. Um, do you know a John Frizzell? And she's like, yes. And he says, here's his Bible. Here's his Bible. Apparently, this sheriff's deputy, as he was driving down Walnut Grove, saw a Bible laying in the road, flipped on his lights, stopped traffic, got out, got the Bible, and then used his sheriff's deputy magic to look up where does John Frizzell live, and delivered, hand-delivered the Bible to his house. Can you believe that? Isn't that crazy? Well, yeah, we got somebody from that department. Was it you? You weren't the one, it was another one. All right. We got somebody from that department who's here. Man, I'm grateful for them. What a story, right? Isn't that incredible? It had been run over, but he still got, still got the Bible and it's going strong. Okay. I tell you that story, I want you to think with me for a second about a hypothetical that I hope you're never going to have to face, but let's just think about a hypothetical for a second. Could you still believe without scripture. I mean, what would you do if you didn't have a Bible, if you didn't have scripture in your life? Now, in that story, it's just a specific Bible that he's lost. And of course, that'd be heartbreaking to lose the Bible that you love, but you could replace that. I'm saying if we didn't have the Bible, if we didn't have the word of God, could you still believe? What do you think? Maybe? You know, the earliest Christians didn't have the Bible as we have it. Uh, the Bible was still being put together when the earliest Christians were coming to believe in Jesus Christ. That's not the same as saying they didn't have any scripture because they had the Old Testament. In fact, much of the New Testament are Christians who believe in Jesus, but are trying to make sense of what the Old Testament says about the one they now understand to be 
Jesus Christ. So they had scripture. They didn't carry it around in their pockets like we do or have it on their bookshelf at home, but they had scripture. Could you believe without it? Maybe. Would you grow in your faith if you didn't have scripture? Think about it. Maybe. I mean, there's a lot in scripture about how the people of Christ grow us, about how worship grows us, prayer grows us, and presumably you could maybe still have those things without scripture. But would you, would you mature? It's one thing to grow. It's another thing to be mature, right? Would you mature without scripture? I don't know. Look at this with me. This is uh, what Paul says to 2 Timothy. Look at this. From infancy, he says to Timothy, you have known the holy scriptures, which are, look at this, able to make you wise. Wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. righteousness. Look at this. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Look at that. Wise and thoroughly equipped. You know what we call that? Mature. Could you be that without scripture? Maybe. Or let me ask you this. Would you know what to do in your life if you didn't have scripture? This is uh, 2 Peter 1. Look at this. We have this prophetic message. He's talking about scripture. As something completely reliable. What else in your life would you say is completely reliable? A few things, not a lot. And you will do well to pay attention to it. How? As to a light shining in a dark place until the dawn, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. What's he talking about? He's saying scripture is like walking in a dark room of life and flipping on a flashlight. It shows you the way to go. Would you know the way to go without it? I don't know. Maybe you've got the Holy Spirit. Maybe you'd know. Would you be able to withstand Satan? Paul talks about this in Ephesians 6. He says, our enemy is not what you think it is. Our enemy is the evil one. And then he says, so you better armor up. And he lists all these things that you need to have, a shield, a breastplate, all these things. But notice the sword of the spirit is what? The word of God. So presumably, like you might be able to be defensive against Satan without scripture, but are you gonna be able to fight back? I don't know. That doesn't seem like it. Uh, would you have Jesus in your heart? And let me ask that maybe a different way. Would Jesus have your heart? Look at this with me. This is Hebrews 4. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And that's a powerful image. The image is a dagger that's just going deeper and deeper, layer by layer. It's peeling you back until it gets to the core of who you are, the heart, and it penetrates. That's what the Word of God does. So would Jesus have your heart if you didn't have the Word of God? I don't know. Maybe. The last question I'll ask, would you get to hear from God personally, hear the voice of God without Scripture? Maybe. I think God speaks outside of Scripture often. But look at this. Above all, you must understand no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets 
who though humans spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Maybe you will hear the voice of God somewhere else, but the promise is you will definitely hear the voice of God here. And I guess I say all those things, this kind of you know, hypothetical scenario where you imagine a world without scripture to just get you thinking about what is it that scripture is doing for me? Because it's not doing just a single thing. It's doing a lot of things for us. And I'm so thankful we don't have to face a maybe kind of faith. Could God overcome our deficiency if we didn't have scripture? Yeah, God could do that. And there are places in the world that still don't have scripture in their languages. And there are people giving their lives to translate scripture into those languages. Could Jesus overcome that by his power? Absolutely. But I praise God, that's not the situation we're in. You know, the, the people I look up to most in my life are not people who have a maybe faith. You get that? There are people who have a resolute faith. And a resolute faith, a faith without maybe, comes from the certainty and clarity of this foundation, which is God's word. Amen. And so, in this series where we talk about what Christians do, we started with prayer. Number two, what do Christians do? They read their Bible. <laughs> they read their Bible. Let me put it to you like this. This is Colossians 3.16. I wanted to find a one word that you might think about as we think about why we read scripture. Look at this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Dwell. That's the word I want to grab. That word, what it means is build your house. Um, Jesus came down from heaven and dwelt among us. What that literally means is he came down and he built his house right here. And so the idea is that the word of God would come and build its house in your heart. It would live inside. It would mow the lawn. It would put the kids down for bed. It would cook dinner right here inside of your heart. That's the kind of intimacy or closeness or constancy you have with the word of God. Second Kings 22, there's this story about this king named Josiah. And Josiah is trying to be a good king like his great-grandfather David, but what he doesn't have, you know what he doesn't have? Scripture. He lives in a time where Scripture's been forgotten. And he's trying his best to be a good guy, a good king. And this priest comes, and he says, listen, we were digging around in the closets in the temple, and I think we found something important. And he starts to read to him from Deuteronomy. And Josiah, we're told, tears his clothes and weeps out loud because he realizes he's been trying to be a good boy, but he has totally missed so much of what the God of heaven and earth has wanted to say to him. And so that, that is why we don't want to imagine a world in which scripture is not dwelling inside of us because God has so much to say to us through his word. So what Christians do, this is what Christians do. We let the word of God dwell in us richly. How do you do that? All right. I'm trying to make this whole series memorable, super practical. So let me give you two phrases I want you to think about as it comes to letting God's word dwell in you richly. Number one, read daily. Read scripture daily. And number two, read deeply. I want to read scripture daily and I want to read deeply. You see how easy those are to remember? It's alliteration. It's how preaching works. If you don't know, you just make it start with the same letter and everybody loves it. Okay. Read daily and read deeply. Let me give you those challenges. All right. Let's start with reading daily. First, let me set this up. I was listening to a podcast the other day, uh, ESPN Daily Podcast. And they were talking about the Golden State Warriors basketball team. So this has been a dynasty. They're a great team, but this year they're not playing so well. 
And the guy being interviewed, he said, well, a big reason, I think, is because they lost Jordan Poole. He got traded to another team. And Jordan Poole, he said, used to come off the bench and average 20 points a game. And he said, I don't think the Warriors realized how much they relied on those 20 points a game. He said, the issue is they got a lot of guys who are capable of scoring 20 points a game. They just don't have anybody who's consistent in it. And that was one of those moments you're thinking about basketball and you realize this is really about a sermon and it's a word from the Lord, okay? I really like that language that it's one thing to be capable, it's another thing to be consistent. Okay, you with me on that? It's one thing to be capable, it's another thing to be consistent. And I think that truth really applies when it comes to how we engage God's word. Look with me at this, this is Psalm chapter one, look at this. Blessed is the one Blessed is, this is how the Psalms start. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. It's talking about scripture. And who meditates on his law day and night. Look at this. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not ever wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about the difference between a tree that's planted by a river and a tree that's just off in the middle of the woods somewhere. Okay, obviously, what's the difference between those two? Obviously, the tree in the middle of the woods gets water sometimes or else it wouldn't be alive. It, it gets rained on sometimes, right? Okay. The difference between that tree and a tree by the river is that the tree by the river can drink all the time. That's what makes it, makes it different. Its roots are reaching out into an ever-flowing stream. And so that's why it produces fruit constantly. And its tree always has leaves all the time. Why? Because it's nourished day and night, day and night. That's the difference between reading occasionally and reading constantly. Okay. One of the things I've challenged our uh, ministry staff with, and I'll challenge you all with as well. And I heard this somewhere a couple weeks ago around the turn of the new year, and it was, it was three words that struck me so much, I wrote them down, and I've been sharing them since then. Let me challenge you with these three words. I don't remember who said it, but he said these three words, his voice first, his voice first. And the idea is that every day before I look at anything else, before I pick up my phone, before I hear any other voices in my life, I want his voice speaking into my life daily. His voice first. Does that resonate with you? One of our staff members up the ante and he said, I'm going to do his voice first and his voice last. And I like that. Okay. That's what this envisioned in this Psalm, Psalm one, where it's day and night. You know what I do to hear his voice first? Let me just talk you through my morning. I'm trying to be so practical in this series. So let me give you this help. I don't know if it'll help you. It helps me. When I get up, I may say a short prayer um, just to thank God for the morning, to get my heart ready to be with him. But what I do before my long time in prayer is that I read scripture first. So some, some of you may flip that and do prayer first and then scripture. I do scripture first and then prayer. And this is why for me, it gets me warmed up hearing the voice of God so that I'm better able to hear the voice of God in prayer. Does that make sense? It's kind of like going out to your car when it's cold outside and starting the car and getting it warmed up, going back inside and getting your coffee and stuff and going back to the car and it feels so good and nice in there. You know what I'm talking about? 
Okay, that's, that's something that I do. I wanna hear his voice first, and so what I start with is the word of God. So God's voice is just washing over me. So then when I turn to prayer, it feels warm in there already. Like it feels like we're already talking. I've already been listening to him. So his voice first. How many of you listen to scripture audio, like audio Bible style? Anybody do that in here? Maybe listen to it as you're driving. Um, I'm a big fan of real, uh, like real Bibles, but I love audio Bible. Let me challenge you with this. How many things do you listen to throughout the day? You probably listen to podcasts. You listen to the radio on your way to work. You listen to the TV in the background while you're making dinner before bed, maybe when you wake up. You're listening to all those things throughout the day. What we listen to shapes and forms how we see the world. It just shapes and forms how we see the world. It's the, what we're drinking all the time. It's like the food that you eat and drink, how it makes you feel. Okay, I love those who let the word of God wash over them just by hearing it, okay? You may not remember the chapter and verse of something you heard in there, but what happens over time as the word of God just washes over us is it changes the way that we see the world. Okay, let's get really practical here. Rates of depression, deaths by suicide are climbing in our time, okay? What makes us depressed and discouraged? It's often how we see the world. Well, the word of God has the power to help us to see the word differently. And look back at Psalm 1. Throw Psalm 1 back up there on the screen if you don't mind. Look what it says. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day and night. What does scripture offer you that the world and everything else we're listening to doesn't? Joy, delight is on offer for those who will go to this regularly. Um. So if I was going to read scripture, let's say I'm really new at this. Let's say I haven't read a lot of scripture. You all in here, you probably read scripture more than I do. But let's say you don't. Let's say you're new to this. Where would I start? If I was going to start, I would start in the book of Mark. That's me. All right. Mark is in the New Testament. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are what we call gospels. They tell the story of Jesus. You know why I'd start with Mark? It's the shortest one. And you'll feel awesome when you finish it. You know, and you'll move on. That's where I would start. I would start with Mark. How many of you have read the Bible through in a year? Anybody ever done that before? Yeah, let me give you some resources. If you want to be a person who reads maybe the whole New Testament in a year, maybe the whole Bible in a year, here's some resources. Let's throw them up there on the screen. The YouVersion Bible app. Who has that on their phone? All right. What you may not know about the YouVersion Bible app is it has over 80 reading plans built into it. So there's a little button on there you go to. It says reading plans. Click on that little button. And it gives you all these plans designed by good godly people that will help you to read through scripture. And you can check it off day by day as you go. And it's January, is it 14th today? It's January 14th, I think, today. So some of you are thinking, man, I missed the start of the year. I'm gonna have to catch up 14 days to pick up with these apps. That's not how it works. It starts the day that you start. So if you went home and you started today, presumably you would finish January 14th of 2025. So you're not behind, you can start today. All right. Two more of my favorite apps. One is called The Bible Project. That's a really cool app. I used it to read through the Bible in a year, a couple of years ago. What I like about it is it has videos about every book of the Bible that tells you what in the world is going on in Hezekiah. 
Okay, you watch that video and then Hezekiah makes a lot more sense to you. So I love that app. You can click off the days as you go through God's word. The Bible recap, who's used the Bible recap in here? Any Bible recap fans? Yeah, Lindsay and a bunch of her girlfriends from Highland read through the Bible in a year using the Bible recap. That one's great. It has a podcast that goes along with it. The woman who does it, she's great. She's really good. That content is so strong and I'd encourage you to to check that out. And then lastly is a book. It's called 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. It's by a guy named Max Anders. And so if you're new to reading the Bible and you don't know what's going on in scripture, I really recommend that little book. It's this little companion that'll help you know what in the world is going on when you read daily in God's word. All right, D.L. Moody, he's a preacher. He said, uh, you know the problem? He said, the problem is that a lot of people read scripture on Sunday morning and that's it. So when they say they read scripture, what they mean is they come to church and they hear scripture and they go home. They don't really read it anymore. What he didn't know, he's gone now, is that now we live in an era where most people come to church maybe once a month, some twice a month. I'm thankful for you who are here today when it's cold outside. Um, What he said that's like, he said, if you only read scripture on Sunday, that's like eating breakfast once for the whole week. Think about that. He says, you'll feel great the day you eat breakfast. Like you'll be ready to go and get a workout in. You'll be, you'll have a good attitude with your kids that day. You'll just be happy at work. On day two, when you don't eat breakfast, you won't want to get that workout in, or you won't be able to push as much weight as you were the day before, or run as far as you were the day before. And you'll get home and you're cranky with your kids. You can't understand why you're so cranky with your kids. And day three, you're so cranky, your wife tells you about it. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, okay, that's what he said. He said the reason is because you've eaten breakfast once for the whole week and your body needs that nourishment daily. Let me read this to you. This is for the Center for Biblical Engagement. Donnie Stover, one of our youth ministers, gave this to me. They did a study. This is what they found about people who read four times a week. Read their Bible four times a week. Listen to this. They're 62% less likely to have problems with alcohol, to drink to excess. 62% less likely to be alcoholic. They're 59% less likely to view view pornography. 59%. I know there are men in here who are struggling with that. There are a lot of things we can do to help you, and I'd love to talk with you, but I'll tell you, one of them is reading your Bible. Reading your Bible. Uh, 59% less likely to have an extramarital affair. 31% less likely to deal with anger. Think about that. If you read your Bible four times a week, you're 40% less likely to feel bitter and 32% less likely to think destructive thoughts about yourself or other people. Are you hearing those numbers? Let me tell you this one. If you read four times a week, you are 416% more likely, 416% more likely to give financially to your church. So if for no other reason, that's why y'all need to be reading your Bible. Uh, you're 400% more likely to memorize scripture if you read it four times a week, 231% more likely to disciple others, 228% more likely to share your faith with somebody else. Are you hearing those numbers? It's not magic, okay? Those ancient words really do change us. They actually change the quality and substance of our lives. Only if you what? Read them. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? 
Read daily. Let me just challenge you in that. Kids, it is not too early to start reading your Bible. It's not too early. Um, Okay, read daily. Let me challenge you to read deeply. All right, look with me at this. This is Revelation 10, verse 9. So I went to the angel. This is John and his vision in Revelation. I went to the angel and I asked him to give me the little scroll. It's a scroll with the words of God written on it. I asked him to give me the little scroll, and he said to me, take it and eat it, which is not what you think about when it comes to scrolls. (laughs) Eat it. I love that image. That's that's the image of the word of God dwelling inside of you. It's not just that you like chomp down on it, but you consume it and let that thing come and just live inside of you. Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King Jr. days tomorrow. And you may remember from his We Shall Overcome speech, this just dramatic speech about hope for those in the civil rights movement. And at the crescendo of that speech, he says, we shall overcome because Carlisle says something. And we shall overcome because this guy says something. We shall overcome because this guy says something. But the crescendo of the speech is, he says, we shall overcome because we believe the Bible is right. That you shall reap what you sow. And in that hope, we believe that from this mountain of despair, we shall hew a stone of hope, he said. Okay, what does that show us? His life was saturated. That movement was saturated in a way we forget sometimes by the word of God. They read it deeply, and that's what gave them hope. So what does it look like to read the word of God deeply? Let's get real practical again. Let me give you a couple, a couple pro tips here. Um, when I'm reading the word of God, I will study it if there's something I don't understand. So let me show you. This is my little journal. I showed you this journal last week. So I was reading Hebrews 4 the other day, and it says something about reward. Shows up again in Hebrews 11. And I want to understand how Christians think about reward from Jesus. How do we make sense of that in light of people who believe you can't earn anything? And so what am I going to do? I'm going to look it up. You know, one of the great blessings we have that the people of God haven't had for a long time, great blessings and great curses, is the internet. The internet, okay? So let me give you a blessing that's on the internet. And that's from the Gospel Coalition. Has anybody ever heard of the Gospel Coalition? The Gospel Coalition, if you Google the Gospel Coalition... They have an online Bible commentary for the whole Bible that is free to you, okay? It's free to you. So if you want to find something out about Scripture, you really, there's no excuse. It's right there. In addition, you can ask me. I'm always glad to talk to you about Scripture. You can ask one of our shepherds, and they love to study Scripture with you. All right, let's talk about memorization. In Psalm 1, when it says that he meditates on the law of the Lord day and night, you know what the word actually means? It means he recites it out loud to himself. That's what it means to meditate on the word of God day and night. You may remember when Jesus is tempted by Satan, Satan comes to him and tempts him with all these magical things, these wonderful things. You remember how Jesus responds with scripture? Yeah, he quotes scripture to him. And I don't think Jesus was like, hold on, Satan, let me look this up. You know, I think he knew it. I think it was written on his heart. How do we do that? We memorize scripture. So let me give you these five verses. I want to give the Highland Church of Christ a challenge this year, and that's to memorize these five verses of scripture. Let's throw them up here on the screen. Psalm 25. If you want to, hear, if you want to get out your phone, this would be the time. Get it out and take a picture of it. And then I'm going to make you put them away. But if you can, 
You can get it out right now. Take a picture of these five verses. This is our challenge to the Highland Church this year to memorize these five passages of scripture. Maybe we'll put them up on the walls or I'll make some little cards with these on them. Psalm 25, four to seven um, is a prayer. I think if you were to pray that prayer every day, your day would go differently. I really believe that. Uh, Romans 8, 31 to 32 is, I mean, it's in one of the best chapters in scripture, if not the best. And it's just a sweet promise about who God is with us. If you would repeat that to yourself when life is hard, um, I guarantee it would change your outlook on it. Romans 15, 13 is a, a passage I quoted a few weeks ago. It's something that you could send to a friend who's in crisis, somebody who's struggling. Man, if you would send that to them as a prayer over them, you would bless their life. I guarantee it. Mark 10, 45 is just a sweet truth about who Jesus is. He's a servant who came to give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, if you think about that, when something's going wrong at work and you remember that Jesus is a servant who gave his life as a ransom for many, you think it might change your perspective on what's going on for you at work? Just think about it. Or if at bedtime with your kids. Lord have mercy on bedtime. But if you just remember that he gave his life as a ransom for many to be a servant of all, do you think it might change how it goes for you at bedtime? And then Titus 3, 4 to 7 is a summary of the gospel. If I were to ask you what the gospel is, do you think you could answer that question? If somebody were to come to you at work and they'd be like, I've heard about this Jesus thing. What is the story about him? Could you answer it? If you memorize Titus 3, 4 to 7, you could. Promise you. Promise. Um, okay, those, those words that you might memorize. And then lastly, practice it. Look at this. This is from James. He says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Practice it. I'll never forget Dan Massey, sweet brother here, who's this elder here for many years. I was walking out of the Shelby County Corrections Prison because I got in there with Hope Works, talked to those guys about the word of God. And I was walking out and Dan Massey, one of my elders, is walking in to the jail. And I'm like, Dan, what are you doing here, man? And he's like, well, I don't know if you remember Dan. <laughs> I love Dan. And he's like, well, you know, Jesus says that if we come to the prison, we'll find him. So I'm just trying it out. <laughs> he was going in there to mentor somebody in prison. Man, try it out. Practice it. Practice it. Don't just listen to it. Practice it. All right, I'm going to leave you with this. Jesus comes across these fellows on a road to Emmaus after his resurrection. They don't know it's him. And they're trying to figure out what's going on in the world. And this is what he says, beginning with Moses and the prophets. So he turns them to scripture and he says this, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. What he tells those guys is, listen guys, the reason you wanna be reading scripture is because really it all points to me. It all points to me. That's what it's all about, me. This uh, computer scientist, his name's Chris Harrison. He worked with a pastor friend of his to produce this piece of what I think looks like art. So let's throw this up there on the screen here in just a second. It's coming in. There it is. You're like, what am I looking at here? So along the bottom are all the chapters of scripture. Every book of the Bible, you see the books change by colors there as they go. Genesis is white over there. Exodus is gray and so on. And the length of the chapter is reflected in how long that line is. So down there in the middle, you see that really long line. That's Psalm 119, the longest passage in scripture, which happens to be right about in the middle of scripture. Okay. And what they did is, in Scripture, there's what we call six uh, cross-references. A cross-reference is um, 
Like in Psalm 1, where it says a tree planted by streams of living water bears fruit. In Colossians 1, it says those who live a life worthy of the Lord bear fruit. It's the same image. That would be a cross reference. Okay, so these are kind of the... the um, the tethers that bind scripture together. And there are 63,000 of those in scripture, 63,000 from Genesis all the way to Revelation where there's a reference connecting the two. And he, he, so he plotted that on this graph. So the short ones in blue and purple there, those are when it's a book really close to, get to each other. So Genesis to Exodus, for example. The green ones are when it stretches all the way from something like Genesis to Revelation. We see the way that God is weaving throughout all of time and history through his word, all things together to point to who? Christ. And so when I look at this beauty of this image, what I see reflected here is a picture of Christ and how the word of God uniquely in the way that it is tied together and pointing together towards one person gives us a vision of what is truly beautiful and worth living for that nothing else does, the word of God. Okay, so if for no other reason when you leave this place, I want you to read your Bible because you will love Christ Jesus more. Because the word of God on this page points you to the word of God who is Christ Jesus. So read your Bible. Read your Bible. That's what Christians, that's what they do. Let me pray for you. God, would you make us people of your word who read deeply of your word and in it see the beauty of your son, Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen.